Uh, so I just want to take a moment to thank Mark and the team at Upfront for having us, and then, um, you know, just take a moment to say thanks in terms of uh, to be at an event like this, in a room with people like this, just with everything else going on in the world. So hopefully no one takes that freedom and privilege for granted. Amen. Um, so we met, we met during COVID because of uh, through Rock the Bells, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, but, you know, honestly, you're one of those few people that since I've met you, I've just wanted to spend as much time with you as humanly possible and just soak it all up. And, uh, you know, I know people make the line of like, guys want to be them, girls want them and all that stuff. And it's true. But what I've come to really appreciate about you is just your, your ethos, your work ethic, the way I've seen you live your life. So my goal for today's session is for everyone who walks away is to go, wow, now, you know, that's an impressive human being, which is, which is what I've been really taken by with you. So that's a lot. Thank you. It's <laughs> a lot to live up to. I appreciate so, it. So with that North Star, um, a lot of people here know you, know a lot about you, but why don't we just take it from the top, talk a little bit about your childhood, your upbringing, your background, but I'd like to throw a little curveball in there, and I'm hoping you can kind of do it through the lens of uh, luck and hard work, because I think a lot of people, a lot of people in this room get asked, oh, are you just lucky that you're here, or is it hard work, or is it some combination? So maybe, maybe start from the top and go from there. Well, I definitely think, um, you know, first of all, thank you for having me, and thank Thank you to everyone who runs the conference. I'm happy to be here, and I'm glad we have a pretty good turnout. If it was for you, it'd be a little weird. Um, so thanks for being here. Um, there's a lot of luck involved. Um, for me, I call it a blessing. Some people call it luck. You can call it whatever you want, you know, um, a mitzvah. You can <laughs> be sure, you know, I got different friends, say different things. But um, ultimately, you have to work hard. You have to really believe in the beauty of your dreams, and you have to, um, I think, the real moment that you make it is that moment when you're really ready to give it all, give up and completely just shut it all down and you keep going. Those are the moments when you really make it, right? Because, you know, I, you know, I saw uh, Steve Harvey just talking uh, uh, today and, and one of the things he said was really right is that if you quit, you have absolute zero chance of making your dream come true. If you keep going, you, you have a chance, right? So I think the luck... Um, the lucky part of it, the blessing, is when you keep going. You have to keep going. Um, there's a lot of people here. Some have built businesses. Some have seen businesses ebb and flow. Some have seen things go up and down and up and down and up and down. The reality is when you stick to it and uh, when you have the humility to ask questions and when you never get to a point where you think you know everything just because you've done it a long time, you have a better chance of making it. So, you know, for me as a little kid growing up, I was listening to hip hop. Hip hop culture influenced my life. It made me believe that I could do anything I put my mind to. It made me, well, my grandmother made me believe that, but it made me believe that something was there that I could actually attain. There was something attainable in front of me. This hip hop culture thing and this, 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 this getting on a mic and, and, and doing this music. So that's what it really is. You know what I'm saying? You really have to dig in and, um, you cannot, under any circumstances, uh, think you know it all, and you also should never quit when you're completely and absolutely frustrated. Because ultimately, you're probably just acting like an eight-year-old that can't get their turtleneck off. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, you just need to keep going. And, uh, and the other thing I would say, there's a lot of smart people in this room, um, really smart people, right, in, in various areas. But the one thing you have to remember is what got you from the runway to 50,000 feet isn't exactly the same thing that'll get you from 50,000 feet to the moon or and from the moon to Mars and et cetera and et cetera. And I think a lot of people forget that because they win so much that they think, well, I'll just do what I did before. And that doesn't always work. You know what I'm saying? So you have to make adjustments if you want to continue to win at different levels. 
And I think that's something that people forget. I know I forgot it many times and I had to be reminded of it. So if I, if, if I can remember that, I think everybody here can remember it. You know what I'm saying? For sure. Yeah. Um, so just staying on Luck one more moment before we, we move on. Could you just talk about Luck as it relates to your grandmother, who you've, you've talked a lot about to me, and then just also growing up in Queens and at the moment and the genre and the time? Well, it's a, it's a lot of luck, right? Because my grandmother, I found out many, many years later, I did the, um, the, the, the find, Finding Your Roots with Skip Gates at Harvard. Um, it, it turns out my mother was adopted, right? Um, you know, it's so funny because, you know, I was, you know, in our family, I would always wonder, like, me and my mother were kind of like taller and more like lighter complexion for, for blacks. And, and everybody was real, real brown. And I'm like, I don't understand. Everybody's 5'4 and, you know, you know, Wesley Snipes complexion and me and my mother are standing there. And we're like, you know, you know, it's like, what's going on? Found out we were adopted, but it was the most beautiful and wonderful thing that could ever happen because, you know, my grandmother turned out to be the oracle of the neighborhood, a woman that people came to for advice, a, a person that kept me in church, a person that consistently spoke. And she was really wise beyond her station in life, you know, because don't confuse having a lot of money with being wise. You can hit the lotto and be rich the next day. That doesn't mean that you're so, so smart. So don't confuse it. A lot of times people get confused. They think because you're rich, you're smart. It's not necessarily true. It can be true. But it's not always true. So she was absolutely a, a really smart woman. Um, she just, I think, sacrificed her dreams because she always wanted to have children. And in adopting my mother, um, she, that's, how she, that's where she chose to put her energy. And, it, and she put all of her energy into me. I grew up in a household full of books, always reading. Everybody was reading. There was nothing. It was teachers and principals and psychologists and cops everybody in the family is doing all this different stuff so i'm always exposed to all these different this different reading material um so and that's why i have so much i learned to have so much respect for women you know in my life and why i don't have all of those issues like about hiring women and having women around me and you know i, I was around some of the smartest i had a matriarch you know what i'm saying when you're raised by a matriarch you just develop a different type of respect you know so it was beautiful, man. It was, it was, and there was a lot of luck in that, right? Because she didn't have to adopt my mother. It could have been a completely different circumstance. Yeah, you know? for sure. So, so was there, you know, as you were coming up in Queens, you were in hip-hop, can you just talk about what that was like? But was there like a moment where you're like, this might actually work? Or was there the, the big break to put you on the map? Because a lot of people here probably don't appreciate, you've been famous since the 80s, right? So that's, yeah. that's a little well, bit of longevity. So just to put in perspective, my first... I was the first artist on Def Jam, on Def Jam Records. Um, Def Jam um, had, there was a song called It's Yours, uh, and it was on Def Jam Productions. It was on the Party Time Streetwise label back in the days in 84. So the first proper label song, the Def Jam the label, was my song I Need a Beat in 1984. Rick Rubin and I worked on our first album together. And, and that, that first record went on to become what it became. It went platinum, and it kind of launched the whole Def Jam thing that a lot of people know about today that a lot of great artists that you all love were signed to. And, you know, it just was, you know, that's what it was. You know what I'm saying? Did I answer, did I answer everything? Because I, I think I forgot yeah. part of what you asked me. What, what, we'll what, keep, what was we'll the other part you asked me? No, no. Like, was there, like, that, the big break moment? But you, oh, the big break moment was, was just, I'll tell you, it was two. So I was sending tapes out to all of the record companies everywhere, sending demos out, demos, 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 really tenacious. Um, I would go to the record store. If I couldn't afford a record, I would 
write the numbers down. At that time, we had record stores, right? It was different. I wasn't Googling this shit. You know what I mean? So I would, I would go to the record store, write the numbers down, um, wrote Rick's number down. I still remember it. 212-420-0666. Don't call get scared. It, call it, people. Someone check it and let me know. <laughs> right? Called that number and, uh, you know, sent the demo in every day, every day, every day, every day. And finally, you know, and, and the reason why I got to make that demo was because I was going to quit. Because all of the labels had turned me down, but my mother took a tax return and said, hey, don't quit. You know, what do you need? I said, well, I don't, you know, and she got me some, a, a drum machine. She got me some things. She was supportive. Um, just like, I guess, a kid with a laptop today, right? She got me that drum machine. Me and my friend Frankie, we made a, a demo, sent it into Rick, called him every single day. Finally, Ad Rock of the Beastie Boys actually heard my demo. And Ad Rock of the Beastie Boys is the one who gave me my break. He gave the demo to Rick Rubin. And that's how I got, that's how I got started. And at that time, BC Boys had like Cookie Puss out and all these records and stuff. You know what I mean? But that's how, I, that's how, that's what it happened. And then how'd you take the next step, which is that, you know, you've been uh, a crossover artist. You've, as a lot of people here know, you've been on NCIS for I think it's 12 or 13 years. Right. I mean, a lot of people love to do that. A lot of people have tried. A lot of people right. have failed. How do you think you've been able to make that transition and still stay relevant in the hip hop world while being an, an artist in different genres? Well, one of the important things is to never limit yourself. That's a, that's a really important part of this thing, you know, not limiting yourself. Like you have people here who are, you know, thinking about their business in different ways and then they're, you know, they're, they get afraid, they get intimidated by circumstances and they limit themselves in terms of the decisions they make or they know that going just that much outside of the charter will give them the breakthrough, but they just decide, no, I can't, I can't, I can't. You can't limit yourself, man. You got to be willing to look foolish. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't mean, you, you know, sometimes it goes wrong, but, but sometimes it goes right. And that's just the courage that you have to have as a man or a woman in order to be successful in life. That's what it takes. You know what I'm saying? It takes the willingness to go out on the edge. You have to be willing to live on the edge if you want to be successful. So going to do TV shows, when I went, did my first TV show, Quincy Jones and David Salzman made rest in peace. David Salzman, him and Quincy Jones gave me my break in television, and I went and did it in the house. And at that time, if you were a hip-hop artist and you did anything but hip-hop, oh, you're selling out, you're corny, you're this, you're that. So I had to take a, you know, pioneers catch all the arrows, B. I got, you know, I got... <laughs> You know, you're the first one to touch the beach. You know, the first guy on the beach in Normandy be like, you know, it is what it is, right? So, um, I, you know, caught a lot of those creative arrows. There's a difference, right? So um, that's, that's kind of what it was. Yeah. And, and I just kept going, uh, studied really hard, had a lot of acting teachers. I still have a teacher. You know, a lot of people think, you know, oh, do you wing it? No. <laughs> you know, no. You got to tuck your elbow and practice your jump shot. In every, in every area of life, right? So mm -hmm. that's what it is. Amazing. Yeah. So for me, continuing the crossover, right. you're still making music. You've been on NCIS and other things for years and years now. Right. And you are currently the CEO uh, of Rock the Bells. Yeah. Will you tell us a little bit about Rock the Bells, how yeah. it came to pass, and kind well, of cultural relevance? Well, the first thing I want to say before, you know, every time somebody says that word, they say, oh, well, what does he know about running a business? Or what does he understand? Well, this is what I know. I know that, you know, you go and get great people. Um, so I went and got Jeff Yang. Um, Glenn Hutchins introduced me to Jeff Yang, who was the founder of Red Point. You know, a lot of you know him very well. He's been in the business for 37 years, maybe almost 40 years. And I said, Jeff, this is what I want. I said, I want Rock the Bells from the outside looking in to look loosey-goosey, to look like, oh, yeah, it's just, you know, it's falling off the stage. Clown time. You know what I mean? Just loose. But on the inside, I want this thing buttoned up. I want to do it right. 
Because what a lot of a lot of times what I deal with when I walk in these rooms is every single one of you, every time you deal with a rap artist or a hip hop artist or a celebrity of a certain type, whatever they do affects me. Right. So you have people that that have went through this business and, you know, you know, they want to, you know, raise money or talk about scaling and then go get a Rolls Royce and shit. You know what I mean? Or do something stupid. No, I'm serious. You know, and that that really affects how we're able to do business. So I said, Jeff. I need, I need a really tight team. I want the smartest, most experienced people around me in this area. So I, with Rock the Bells, look, I, know, I live, breathe, and sleep and eat hip-hop culture. There's no doubt about it. It's all I've ever done. So what I needed was I needed people with the proper skill sets in the proper roles so that we could scale the business at a high level. And that's what Jeff helped me do. And that's why I went to him as a partner. That's why initially I invested my own money. Jeff invested his money and we partnered and grew it and did a whole seed. And then we went beyond that. We got families and friends. M13, of course, came in on the Series A and now we're going to Series B. But the business itself is content. It's, it's commerce, lifestyle brand, and experiences. And the first thing people say, well, oh, you have all these things. How are you deciding what to do? What are you going to lead with? That's always the question, right? But But when you get a Sunday, you ain't saying that shit. You know what I mean? And like, I don't want just vanilla ice cream. I want a Sunday, right? So, so, and it works together. So, so my thing is building a business where we take classic hip hop culture and we, 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 we help brands, help people talk to the community that loves hip hop culture, which uh, by the way is like really the number one culture lifting up pop culture around the world, right? And, and by having this content and this in this in this commerce and, and and understanding that because of all my musical life and and being able to build that that's one piece right and then when you have when you have these experiential you have you know all of all many different types of experiences we have AR experiences we have VR experiences we have festival experiences right and then it's 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 setting up the business model the correct way where we partner with people so that they can cover the expenses and we can create and put our energy into making it an amazing event that hits the market the right way so it, it's that right so it's it's really just understanding how to monetize it and do it right and we built a business that's working like we're working with some of the biggest brands in the world. We have, you know, great relationships with literally the biggest holding companies, you know, out there. So the the business is and working. Maybe just mention some of those because I think it's important for people to hear the names. Right. But I think it's also important. A, a lot of people in this room probably realize this, but I remember a few years ago someone sat me down, and people will probably hear people like Gary Vee talk, and you know, when they point out how much of our culture is truly affected by hip hop culture and how much yeah. it permeates pop culture, some people might have I, not I, have had the light bulb moment. All right, so, so, all right, to, just to, to make it simple, so we work with Procter & Gamble. We do a lot of work with them. We've done work with, with, with Coca-Cola. We've done work with um, Pepsi, um, you know, just so many, you know, just so many different people, Salesforce, um, you know, just wonderful things that we're doing, and they all want to touch the culture. So if we have, like, whether it's, if it's branded content and you want, to reach a, you want to reach our community, we'll create something that'll make sure that it's right, it's organic, it's natural, it's, it's native, it feels right, and you'll touch the culture the right way, right? If, you, if it's premium content, we know how to put the right writers in place that really speak to hip-hop culture and make something that's going to really touch the world the right way, right? Um, if, it's, if, it's, if it's commerce, we understand that, that there are a 
lot of companies that have licensing, they have the rights and the licenses to a lot of hip hop properties, but they don't know what to do with them. Whether it's the catalogs, whether it's the, the name and likeness, you have all of these companies, you got a zillion dollars, you got the name and likeness, yeah, let's buy it. What do we do with it? You don't know what to do with it. So you come to Rock the Bells and you say, okay, I really want to get into hip hop culture. I want to get in this space. I want to touch this community, but I, want to, I don't want to look cheesy doing it. I don't want to look foolish doing it. Yes, we have the money and the financial wherewithal, but we don't know where to start and who to, who to talk to to even think about communicating with the hip hop culture. Even though my kids love it and I, I see what my son's wearing and I know they love the sneakers and I get all of that, but I just don't know how to touch, touch that, that community. That's when you come to Rock the Bells and we, we help you do that and we navigate that for you. Whether it's through sponsorship, whether it's through ad, you know, ads or on a TV show that we're producing with, with a partner, by the way, or on any area. So it's really about just us having the expertise to, and, and being a one-stop shop. I'll put it to you like this. If what would have happened when rock and roll first turned classic, right? At back when, you know, when, when Mick Jagger and, and, and all of those guys were like my age and Snoop's age and Dr. Dre's age, when they were our age, what would have happened if one company said, you know what, we're going to take all of the touch points that touch rock and roll and we're going we're gonna to create a company around that. What would that company look like right now? There you have it. It would be huge, right? And, and, and that's what we're doing now. We have a company that touches all the touch points of classic hip-hop culture. And why is that important? It's important because hip-hop culture has many elements, right? You have, the, you have the MCs, which is all of the rap records that your kids love, that they're dancing to on many levels, and you're dancing to, by the way, on many levels, right? Then, then you have, of course, because a lot of you grew up with me, and then you have, you have the, the, the graffiti, which is the graphic arts, which, you know, you look at something like Basquiat selling for $100, $150 million or whatever the number is you look at the graphic arts of you know um uh you you look at like some of the 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 fashion brands that come out and how graphic arts is important to you know to our culture hip-hop you know really really was the impetus for that for that thing right the djs we know how important djs are we know how important um breaking is breaking is going to be an olympic event breaking is about to be an it's an olympic event in 2024 breaking is going to be in the olympics that's hip-hop breaking break dancing so when you talk about okay well okay so how can we get involved in that well if you do it wrong you're going to look crazy right you're going to look really really dumb but if you if you get with a, a company like rock the bells or you get with us we just show you hey we could tweak we could tweak it this way tweak it that way now you're doing it right now it makes sense now it's official now it's organic we all yes we'll do well we'll make money we'll be successful but also not only that the real reason why I started the company is because 3 400 years from now I want the narrative to be right I didn't just do this company for money I'm going to be honest with you I don't need money I know you guys are rich I'm okay too you know what I mean <laughs> I'm just saying I'm just saying I did this company I did this company because I believe in what this has to be three, four, five, six, seven, eight hundred years from now. You have to think that way. Because I don't want, when I think about Little Richard, I think about Chuck Berry, I, I, I feel like they're kind of pushed to the wayside. Yes, rock purists know them, but I think, I feel like the casual fan in the world doesn't know them and is not as familiar with them as they should be. So my thing is, I want Big Daddy Kane to be known, and I want Rakim to be known, and I want Rob Bass to be known, and I want some of these artists that you know and love, but don't necessarily, they're not Snoop, and they're not Eminem, and they're not LL, and they're not Latifah and Ice Cube. There are a lot of players in this game that deserve success. So, like, Cool Herc, 
Cool Herc started hip-hop. I gave him equity in the company. He started it. He never got a big check. But guess what? One day, 10, 15 years from now, we'll sell 49%. We'll get a big check. We'll do well, and he'll get a big check. Or his family will get a big check. And that's important to me. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's, so that's the thinking. I gave different artists in the culture part of this. I gave Salt and Pepper a piece. I gave Running DMC a piece. All of a, all, we carved it out right, you know, in the, on a cap table. We didn't, it, it doesn't explode. You know what I mean? We carved out an artist pool and we gave them all a piece. So, so that's the thinking. That's it. That's amazing. Yeah. Let's stay on that for a second because you, you kind of touched on surrounding yourself with the right people. Yes. What you just talked about, you know, with, with bringing some of those legends in the fold. How do you think about DE&I in today's, today's world? I think it's great as long as it's not uh, uh, a pseudonym for, not a pseudonym, but like a, 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 a cute way to do a smaller deal. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm, I'm cool with diversity, equity, and inclusion, but let's do that on a big deal though. Let's not, you know, you know. A real size deal, you know, like, you know, that's, but like I always say, I personally, I don't care what color the cat is as long as it catches rats, right? Uh, it has to be competent. I was, I hope, competent, I was hoping you'd say because yeah, I've heard you say that. I, I need a competent cat to catch rats, bro. Like, I, I, that's important. But there are competent cats of all colors, right? But, and, and look, it's not always, you know, a lot of times people say it's always racism. It's not always racism. Sometimes people just know who they know. It's like crowds like this. You know who you know. You meet who you meet. The guys you meet are the guys you meet. The people you went to school with are the people you went to school with. You have relationships. It is what it is. It's not like somebody just, some people are on that, like, you know, they want to buy. No, no, no. But that's, a, I think that's a minority. But I think for a lot of people, they just meet who they meet and know who they know. But it, it's all right to take, to, to work with different types of people. Like I went to Jeff. Jeff worked with me. You know, I work every day. Chris O'Donnell, he's, you know, this is Chris's world more than his mind. Like he, you know, Chris is running khakis, you know, <laughs> penny, penny loafers, golf. He's you know, talking about you th- out there, is, yeah. You know, what I mean? <laughs> like this is this is Chris. But I think that us knowing each other and having that exposure, you being exposed to people who think differently and look at the world differently, is going to make your company better. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you really want to make money, then you got to have you got to be able to look things at things from a lot of different angles, right? Like, right. So, so I think that that's a, that's a key. That's a key. We have to have diversity and inclusion. And that includes women as well. That includes all of them. You know, everybody. Like, let's just make it look like America. Like Claudine said. Like my COO of LL Cool J Inc. is a woman. It's Claudine Joseph. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Exactly. All right. We're down to our uh, last couple of minutes. I'm going to do a little lightning round. These are like one, two sentence answers. All right. First one. Have you ever worn khakis? I outlived that one. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. I can't see it, but I believe it. <laughs> I, I promise you. All right. Staying Camouflage. on fashion. Camouflage. Staying though. on fashion. <laughs> My girlfriend, who loves bucket hats, wanted me to ask you, right now, right here, bucket hats, you buying or selling? Oh, I'm buying. I'm buying bucket hats, B. <laughs> no question. If someone bumps in, you, bumps in you in the hall here, you know, after this, what do, you, what do you want them to call you? James? Todd? Mr. Cool J? <laughs> Mr. Cool J, some funny shit. Um, um, <laughs> I mean, for a you know, guy in khakis. I mean, LL works, but but most people call me Todd. You know, my friends call me Todd, but LL works. You know what I mean? It's cool. It's all good. <laughs> These are in no particular order, but yeah. um, how are you still so jacked? <laughs> I'm, 
uh, you know, just eating good, trying to take care of myself, trying to do right. You know what I mean? I actually need to get in the gym, bro. I need to get in the gym. Every time I'm around you, I'm impressed how jacked you are and how many books you've read that you share with me. So I think that's important, the, the connection. Uh, last one here. You've got just enough vocal cords left to sing one song. What's it going to be? <laughs> Shit. Oh, man. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I don't know, bro. It ain't going to be Mama Said Knock You Out, though. I tell you that much. <laughs> and so this session was, was called Mama loud, Said Knock You Out. I think we can conclude with that. Everybody, let's give it up for LL Cool J. Appreciate you. Thank you.